Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, David and I present the nominees for the Buccaneers All-Decade Team on offense. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is a place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. If you have not already checked out Wednesday's episode where Bailey uh, Bailey Adams and I nominate the all-decade defensive team, please go back and make sure that you do that because on this episode, David and I are going to be nominating the all-decade offensive team. And you know, David, I said on yesterday's episode that you gave Bailey and I defense on purpose because it was a decade of just suck. Yeah. And then we were going through the offensive rosters, not much better. Yeah, it's it's just a really rough decade to have to close out, but you know, every decade deserves an all-decade team even if it even if it just reminds you of how much this team has struggled. Um hopefully what it can do is as we move through this next decade, show us hopefully how much this team has grown. Um, if we have another decade like the one we just came out of, we probably just won't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, probably not. But just like on yesterday's episode, there are some great players on this list. It's just you kind of struggle to find multiple nominees for, for these awards because on the offensive side, we are doing a starting lineman for, for each position. So, uh, you know, two tackles, two guards, a center. We're doing a quarterback, we're doing a running back, we're doing a tight end, and we're doing three receivers. So, with that in mind, there's obviously some great players over the last decade that Buccaneers fans have been able to watch, but when you're trying to come up with a list of nominees to give people options, it becomes more and more apparent how clear-cut some of this voting is going to go. Oh, for sure. I mean, we just start with quarterbacks if you want pretty simple yeah. to, to pick the nominees for that yeah we're gonna group. go ahead and, and and start a quarterback so david who were your quarterback nominees uh Jameis winston um is, is number one and then josh freeman is the second i don't have a third i do oh okay you throw i a, do who, i well, who are you throwing out there i do obviously have Jameis winston and josh freeman and yeah you know 
you would you would jokingly said before we started recording that you're not really sure how you'll react if people vote for Freeman over Jameis Winston. But when you look at the two of them, they're really not that different. They each had one winning season. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest difference is Josh Freeman's stellar year where he finished with, I believe it was what 24 touchdowns and only six interceptions or something crazy like that when we thought oh my god the Buccaneers finally have a franchise quarterback so he had that in him whereas Jameis has been a lot closer to that you know for the for the first five years of his career he has 1.375 touchdowns per one interception so you know you're you're splitting hairs at that point but the third one that I'm going to throw out there just to give people another option is obviously Josh McCown. No, I'm kidding. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, he that's had, where I thought you were going. He had such a stellar year last year, and a lot of our defensive guys were one-and-done players. Um, you know, it, it that's how this decade is gone. You've had a lot of players just kind of come through and do, you know, have one season and then move on or, or they only stood out for one season, but you have to give those guys their due because those were some of the better seasons for the Buccaneers. Like when Bailey and I were talking about Darrell Revis, he was only here for one year and he wasn't Revis Island Darrell Revis, but he did make a pro bowl. He did have a great season for the Bucs. It was just a crappy Bucs team. Yeah, it's it's too bad Joel Rivas never won a Super Bowl, according to Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Hoof. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if we're gonna name a third quarterback for this group, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the one to go with. That's what when you when you threw out you were gonna throw another one, I was like, it's gotta be Fitz Magic. But um yeah, I mean I I still don't see how anybody can justify voting for him as the quarterback of the decade for this team. You know, if if it was like a 2018 Maybe because I know there are guys who still, you know, they thought that James should have stayed on the bench and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it's worth it, he's worth the nomination, I think. So I'm, I'm good with it, too. All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and move on to running backs. And um, right. again, not a great crop, but some of the stuff that we got from the running backs, you know, a year here, a year there was was pretty solid. I'm starting my nominations off with Doug Martin. He did have some solid thousand yard seasons, but it seemed like if he couldn't get going, he didn't get going at all. But it was it was a thousand yards or bust for Doug Martin in his time here. And um, yeah, that it, it is what it is. I also have LeGarrette Blunt. He added a, a couple of good years with the Bucks, and I also have Cadillac Williams. Now, Caddy. His better years obviously were in the 2000s, not the 2010s. He only played with the Bucks in 2010 before moving on to play for the Rams. And he didn't have a stellar season, a little over 400 yards rushing, two touchdowns. But both of his touchdowns, I know one for sure, but I'm pretty sure both of them ended up being game winners. So you know, those, those stick out in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the the reverence for Cadillac will get him the vote. I think it's kind of a two horse race between Doug Martin and Legarrette Blunt. Yeah, I mean Cadillac, you know, is is one of my all time favorite Buccaneers. Even if it is kind of a, it's it's almost like a like a sympathetic or like an empathetic favorite. You know what I mean? Because I mean the dude was special. If if he could have stayed healthy, I think the dude was going to be really special. So the fact that he, you know, his his career went the way that it did is. It's really disappointing because I really do. I feel like it was injury more than anything that kept him from becoming the superstar that he looked like he was going to become early on. 
Uh, and, and like you said, I mean, his 2010 didn't, you know, didn't, uh, wasn't his best output and, and it led to him, you know, eventually moving on obviously to the Rams, but I'm good with him being on the list. I'm going to add Peyton Barber to the list though. And I know statistically like he, you know, he's not a pro bowl guy, not a thousand yard rusher, nothing like that. But listen, if it's not for the effort that Peyton Barber put in, in 2018, uh, this team is, is probably, you know, digging through the free agent pile or, or going high in the draft after running back and the fact that they didn't have to, the fact that Peyton Barber brought some sort of a stability in the backfield, at least, you know, uh, in the beginning of, of Bruce Arians time in Tampa and was able, basically able to kind of carry the lion's share of the workload until Rojo started getting his feet under him and, uh, came out and proved that he deserved that, that starting role. I know I've seen some Buccaneers fans who still feel like Rojo didn't get enough carries or enough touches, uh, down the down the stretch, and I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with them. And I feel like Rojo has a really good chance of being on this list for the next decade. But again, like I said, with Rojo missing, you know, all not being active so much and, and not being a part of the offense at all, really in 2018, that really put a lot on Peyton Barber. And I think that you know, even even a struggling team at five and eleven, he carried the load for the team. You know, he he wasn't a quitter. He wasn't a guy who out there and and pouted about himself or pouted about anything. I think he was he was he was a troop. You know what I mean? If if that's the best way I can put it, is is he was he was a troop for for his guys. And I think it deserves a little bit of recognition. Uh, but I'm with you. I think I think Doug Martin obviously is probably the favorite there, and Legarrette Blount is is a cult favorite uh, for the for Buccaneers fans. So it's probably who you're looking at. But Cadillac is sneaky. But I do want to throw Peyton on the list, kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick nod, so to speak, for Peyton Barber. You know why Cadillac kept getting injured and, and missing a lot of games? Why? Because he's nicknamed after a GM product, and we all know that GM cars break down. Are they the Skyline Chili of cars? No, 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 because Skyline Chili's elite. <laughs> okay. What are you? Are you? I don't, we've never had this conversation. What are you? Are you a Chevy I, guy, a Ford guy? What are you? Well, no, Chevy's also a GM. Yeah, yeah. Uh I am an anything that's not GM guy. I had a Toyota. Uh I now have a Hyundai. Uh-huh. Um I got the Hyundai at you know on a, a killer deal. Otherwise I would have gotten a Ford. Uh but yeah, I've had one, two, three, four GM cars in my lifetime, and every one of them has been an enormous piece of crap. So I finally learned my lesson. Never again. Will not will not ever buy another GM. Okay. Were they all the same like affiliate of, like, you know, cause you like Chevy and like, were they all like GM? Like what were their, what were their actual makes? One was, uh, an Oldsmobile. Okay. That's Two were Chevys. Okay. And one's a GMC. So I'm not a fan of GMC Oldsmobile. I would never buy. Um, well, the Oldsmobile was a hand me down. Okay, I got you. Well, that works then. Um, I'm a Chevy fan. I like Dodge. Isn't Dodge in the GM family and motors too? Or no, Dodge is uh, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge. Oh, okay, that's, okay. Yeah, that's theirs. Um, and then Ford name. is its own thing. Yeah, Ford sucks. But yeah, GM is GMC, Chevy, Cadillac. They used to have Pontiac. They used to have Oldsmobile. I think that's it. Okay. I might be I'm literally doing what I got mad at you and Bailey for doing on yesterday's yep. episode. Yeah. So let's, you are. let's continue. 
All right, let's move on to wide receivers. David, who do you have for your receiver nominees? Because I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six. You have six? Okay, so I have six. We're going Mike Evans. Uh we're yep. going Chris Godwin. Yeah. Um we gotta go with V Jax. You, you yep. can't you can't not have Vincent Jackson out there. Who else are we looking at? Um I'm gonna go up with Adam Humphreys. I'm gonna throw yep. Adam Humphreys on there. That's four. I don't want to put Deshaun Jackson on there. I don't either, but he is on my list. But I feel like he has to be on the list. So that's five. Yep. And then you can't have a really as bet on there. I'm no. going Mike Williams. White Mike yes. Williams is number six. Okay. Yes. I was going to say, man, if you have really as bet on your list, I the, know the better. The of the show is just out the window. I know better. Come on. Give me a little credit. Goodness gracious. I may love my Illini, but not that much. All right. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, Mike Williams was, um, he was the stud. He was the superstar for the Josh Freeman Buccaneers. Um, and we, again, we thought we had a, a stud receiver that they stole in the fourth round. I mean, think about that. They were Mike Williams and Aurelius Ben were drafted in the same draft. And Mike Williams was taken two rounds later than Aurelius Ben. And it looked like he was going to become a bona fide superstar. Then apparently he went crazy. I, I don't remember exactly how that breakup happened, but I do remember Mike Williams was being investigated for trashing a house that he had rented. There was all kinds of issues going on there. Seemed like Mike was uh, more interested in partying than than living up to his top receiver potential. Um, yeah, he's they, not the only br- buck to fall victim to that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they bring in Vincent Jackson, who was nothing but phenomenal on and off the field for the Buccaneers. Um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, no explanation needed. Adam Humphreys, uh, obviously you felt the same way I did. He deserved mm-hmm. the nod because he was that he was that do anything guy. He was that he wasn't afraid to get dirty. He wasn't afraid to go over the middle. He wasn't afraid to take shots. He was a reliable target and he did his job. And then Deshaun Jackson, he's on here because when he felt like playing, he could make an impact. And we saw it you know, all of, of 2018 that when he felt like playing, he was going to go off. So the talent was there. He just, you know, would pick and choose what weeks he felt like playing and what weeks he didn't. It just seemed like that coincided with the weeks that Fitz was quarterback rather than the weeks that Jameis was. Yeah. And I mean, I do subscribe a little bit, you know, there are people who think that Deshaun Jackson would have been more, a more effective part of the team. If Jameis Winston was better at, uh, hitting the deep ball. And I, I do honestly kind of feel like when Jameis was trying to hit Deshaun Jackson, he was trying a little bit harder. And we've had that conversation before about Jameis trying to do things and actually just playing quarterback. So I do kind of agree with the people who think that, you know, part of the problem uh, with Deshaun Jackson's time in Tampa was the fact that Jameis couldn't hit him for whatever, for one reason or another. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be, kind of you know a franchise representative of of a team and I don't think Deshaun Jackson really cares if he's ever looked at as the face of a franchise or anything like that and that's fine um but when you're talking about all decade I mean you talk a lot about play but a little bit has to also be how they carry the flag so to speak 
that works better for the Bucks because they actually have you know pirate flags and stuff. But I think I think the point gets across. So it, you know, uh, talented guy. So he's on the list. But you know, uh, I'll be a little bit more. I'll be a little disappointed, honestly, if 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 fans vote him in there. But hey, that's that's why they vote and we don't. I I think it's going to be interesting though because I think Mike Evans is a shoe in. I hope so. I think Vincent Jackson is a shoe in. I hope so. It's the third receiver that we're that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting race. So my question is: Is it going to be the recency bias? Because if yeah. you think about it, Chris Godwin has only had one stellar season for the Bucks. Yeah. Or is it going to be people that go back and remember how good of a receiver Mike Williams was? I think it comes down to those two. My mm-hmm. guess is Chris Godwin is going to win, but Mike Williams absolutely deserves to be that third receiver in this in this poll well and and adam humphreys is is a candidate i mean you know he's a he's he's the dirty work kind of guy like you were talking about there there are a lot of critical uh catches that he made a lot of plays that he made in an offense that's been known that's been predicated on the deep ball he's kind of been that check down option or that guy that can you know get the short yards on a pass call and 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 do it all and and you know that's why he got the the contract that he got with the titans in the offseason and and all that stuff. And if Chris wins, I think it's going to be a lot of people giving him credit for what he probably would have done had Deshaun Jackson not been holding that number two receiver spot, um, which, you know, hey, uh, far be it for me to tell people how to vote. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see how, how it shakes out. I think that's probably the strongest group of of all of them, though. I think that's one where I can see that the votes being spread the most. All right. Well, David, who do you have at tight end? Hmm. So my first nominee at tight end is going to be OJ. Okay. <laughs> I almost feel like Cam Brate. Honestly, like we're talking like the the entire decade. I think Cam Brate probably should be like a nominee right before OJ. Uh, just because he's been doing it a little bit longer. You know what I mean for this team in this decade. Um, but yeah, I think OJ and Cam Brate are the two obvious candidates. And then there's some others that can be considered. There's one specific one that I think you're probably going to add to the list. And I just, I can't get over the way he left uh, or what happened. I, I think it was after he left what happened. Um, it's just a crappy way to leave Tampa. So I can't get down with it. I'm I'm interested. Who do you think I'm going to throw in the mix? Because I do have one more. Uh, if you if you knew, if you were thinking this all along the same lines, I think you would have gotten my joke. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Oh, yeah. No, not him. No, I'm actually another one and done guy, but the impact that he had on a 10 and 6 team can't be overstated. The veteran leadership that he brought in, a game winning touchdown against Carolina in Carolina in overtime. I thought about Kellen Winslow, but I decided he's too awful of a human and I don't want him on my list. No. Dallas Clark. I am nominating Dallas Clark for his, uh, his 20. I'm sorry. He wasn't part of the, the 10 and 16. He played for the bucks in 2012. Uh, but he finished the season with 435 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, no, I remember, I remember that, that fondly. Yeah. Cause I was, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say a big fan of his, uh, but you know, obviously I knew who he was and, you know, a fan of, of who he was, uh, when he, when he joined the bucks. So yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, that was a that was a Buccaneers team that was six and four after that that 
Dallas Clark game winning overtime touchdown. And then they lost five straight before finishing seven and nine by beating the, uh, the Falcons in the final week of the season. They went on to lose to the Falcons, Broncos, Eagles, Saints, and Rams. So this was a, a team under Greg Schiano that looked poised for the postseason and then just had a late season collapse there. Um, I don't, I don't remember well enough if that was, if that was when things started to go off the rails between Shiano and Freeman. Do you remember by chance? Uh, things started going off the rails between those two, I think right after they met, but that I don't know. I don't remember exactly true. what you're talking about, but yeah, cause the, it was, it, yeah. Freeman was the starter in, in 20, 12 it was 2013 when shiano went four and 12 that um that glennon was the guy oof yikes good times listen listen there was some potential there yeah there was and you know good for glennon going to chicago getting a big paycheck then being invited to the draft party to watch them draft mitch trubisky that poor dude and then he went to oakland yeah uh, anyway, let's. Dude, he was already losing his hair when he got to Tampa, but he lost all of his hair. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the franchise, Mike Glennon. <laughs> all right, let's talk tackles. You ready to talk some tackles? Because mm-hmm. I don't have a lot on my list. I mean, Donovan's on there. Donovan Smith is indeed on there, as is Demar Dotson and Donald Penn. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a good, uh, solid three man group of, of nominees for our voters to pick from, uh, you gotta pick two. So pick two of the three. Good luck. Moving on guards. Let's do this. <laughs> good God. <laughs> uh, all so right. We got well, Ali, Ali Marpet. Oh, we're talking guards now. Yeah. Uh, so we got Ali Marpet and then, uh, yeah. Logan Mankins. Yes. Logan Mankins and, uh, Davin Joseph. Yep, I'll take Davin. Anybody else you want to throw? What about out there? True Blood? We're gonna, we're gonna throw True Blood on there. I I liked True Blood. He wasn't very good, but I liked him. You well, know what? Blood, you know what True Blood was? What? He was he was Ryan Jensen with not as much talent. Ryan <laughs> Jensen without as much talent. Oh, okay, so he was angry and. Angry. Yeah, like he he had the attitude he was going to punch you square in the face mask if you touched his quarterback after the whistle. He just wasn't as good at blocking as as Jensen was, but I loved his attitude. I loved the way he carried himself. Like I I really liked him a lot. I just don't think he was very good. And according to what I'm looking at, he played tackle anyway, which is weird, actually. I'm not gonna lie. I remember him as an interior lineman. So I think weird. he shifted. Did he? Maybe that's weird. I don't know. Either way, not gonna make it. That was a total joke. Um, I don't. I mean, we could put Ali Marpet on there twice. Once for left guard, once for right. But I think that's cheating. Uh, I think we're good on the guards. Jeremy Zuta. You want you want to throw him on there? Uh, okay. I have him down as the center. Do you? I do. Yeah, I mean, he did play center, so I guess we could throw him on there as a center. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got three guard candidates, so 
Good luck. I think that one's actually, I mean, I could justify voting for any of those three guys. I think Allie takes the cake. Oh, uh, yeah. Allie's going to run away with one of those. And um, I would probably, I would probably go Mankins over Joseph. I would also do the same. But, but it's close. Somebody, yeah, I mean, I could see somebody wanting to go Joseph over. More of a nostalgia thing, I think. But yeah, I think I could see it. I mean, Davin was on that 10 win team, you know, for what it's worth. So, and does, Jeremy Zuta was the center on that 10 win team. So there you go. Does Donovan Smith have any chance of making this team? I don't think he does. I mean, okay. So it depends on the voters. So if the voters go with, like, if this is a popularity contest, then no. Then I think Donald Penn and DeMar Dotson are the tackles. But. I mean, Donovan Smith, you know, for all of his flaws, he's he's been the left tackle, man. And there's a reason he's been the left left tackle, and DeMar Dotson's been the right tackle. And, you know, uh, DeMar's been with the team a, a long time. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think talent, if you go talent-wise and importance to the team over the last decade, I think Penn and Smith were more valuable to their respective lineups than Dot. Than Dot uh, if you go by personality, then Dot takes you know is, is the number one guy there. Um, I never got a chance to meet Donald Penn, but I honestly don't feel like that dude has the greatest personality in the world. Um, I know that he was he was famous in Oakland a little bit for for being willing to fight fans and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I don't know who wins a personality contest between him and Donald Smith, but I mean the, the couple interactions I've had with Donald Smith, he seems like a decent enough dude. So. Uh, if DeMar wins, it's going to be because people like him. I honestly think it'll end up being DeMar and, and Penn. You know, DeMar on the on the right, Penn was Penn was on the left. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the way it's going to be listed is just offensive tackle. We're not going left and right. But right. if the footers go left and right, because you're going to have tackle one and you're going to have tackle two. And so if, you know, if the voters go that way where I want my left tackle to be Donald Penn and I want my right tackle to be DeMar because he's the only right tackle on the list, then hey, so be it. All right. Well, David, let's talk centers. So you already got Jeremy Zuta on there. I do um, have Jeremy Zuta. I'm throwing Joe Holly on there just because I like him a lot. I like it. I won't argue it. Uh, are we putting Marpet as a center as well? I did not. I also have Jensen and Jeff Fain. I'm good with both of those, and I'm good with keeping Marpet off of the center list. Um, so we don't have another Ronde situation? Yeah, but basically, so we don't have another Ronde situation. Who'd you say? Fane, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with those four, I think. Um, I wouldn't stand. I'm not going to pound the table for anybody else, I don't think. I think that's a pretty good list. Pretty good group of nominees. Our- and and this is something we did not talk about ahead of time, so I'm putting you on the spot. Um, you know, with the defensive side, we also had to do the kickers and the punters. Sure. Are we nominating a, a head coach to to lead this all decade team? Ooh, I didn't think of that. Um, that's a good idea. But we also because, have to do a return specialist. Oh, we have to do a return specialist. So we have to pick yeah. someone to just down the ball because that's what they do now. Yes. The the best fair catcher. Uh, in the, the last decade of Buccaneers football, will win this award. Wow, I did not prepare for that. So who are, who are your nominees for return? Michael specialist? Spurlock. Yes, that is the correct answer. Um, and then 
whoever's going to lose to Michael Spurlock. Was Aaron, was it Aaron Stecker? Was that in the 2010s? Have I gone too far back? Ooh, I don't know. Cause Clifton Smith was before the 2010s. Aaron Stecker. Yes, you were way far back. Aaron Stecker, according to what I'm looking at, the last time he was officially listed as a kick return was 2003. Yeah. So you're old. No, I didn't Oof. think it was that far back either, actually. I mean, we got to give him some competition. So, uh, uh, Adam Humphreys. Uh, he wasn't a good returner, though. None of them were. So here's the options we're looking at, right? So we got TJ Logan from this year, uh, or from 2019. We got Adam Humphreys. We got Bobo, Bernard Reedy, Jack Rogers, uh, Ryan Smith, Bobby Rainey, Solomon Patton. Deshaun Eric Jackson. Page. Deshaun Jackson didn't really even do it. But when he did, he returned them for touchdowns, uh, and then there were uh, phantom uh, penalties. Uh, and then there were penalties, yeah. Okay, fine. Deshaun Jackson and Michael Spurlock. I will cave, and I will give in because Michael Spurlock is winning anyway. Even if you don't vote for him, I'm just going to say that Michael Spurlock won, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't do that. That's that's. that's but bad. seriously, don't vote for Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> but, but seriously, don't vote for Deshaun. Um, all right, head coaches. Well, there were five in the decade. I say we just nominate all of them. We're just putting them all on there? Raheem Morris, Greg so Schiano, Lovey Smith, Raheem. Dirk Cutter, and Bruce Arians. Dirk Cutter. Uh, who am I missing? <laughs> Bruce Arians, Raheem Morris. Raheem Schiano, Lovey, yeah, yeah. Dirk, yeah, Lovey. and BA. Sweet. So we got Bruce Arians, Raheem Morris, Dirk Cutter, and Lovey Smith. Got it. You know what's funny about that category? What's that? The person that wins will be one of the coaches that did not have a winning record in the decade. That's true. Yep. So our four head coach nominees are set. All right. We did it. We did something. Do you want to talk about Pat McAfee, hockey, or DVRing habits? Not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, I actually wasn't going to mess with you guys about that too much until Bailey started in. Bailey decided he was just going to take the gloves off on your last episode and, and just, just come at me, apparently. What so, did he come at you about? I don't know. He didn't really come at me, but he was just he was just talking more than usual, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I felt exposed. But I deserve it. I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and say I didn't deserve it, so touche. You know what? I... I... I coerced him into that, not off air, but you know, on air, I just kind of egged him on because yeah. of all the mean things that you and Jill said about me when I was yeah. dying. No, that's, what, that's what I said. I fully, I fully deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I'm no victim. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. I can't even remember because he, he complimented you at one point and then, uh, the compliment definitely got, uh, buried in the, anger or the the blame is yeah he, he complimented you at one point and then he took a shot at when you forgot the uh the ucf receiver oh yeah i forgot ucf had receivers don't they just run triple options like or is that navy i don't know they're pretty much i think same, that's so. i think you're thinking of usf yeah they're all the same if, if they're a florida school and they're not uh the seminoles there they're good trash oh jesus christ i'm just kidding Ugh. So yeah, I, it's so it's not so much that I forgot his guy. It's just he's not a day two prospect. But uh, at the same time, Justin Jefferson is getting a whole lot of day one love now. So apparently he's not a day two guy either. 
Nah, Jefferson's going day one. Yeah, the latest, the latest mock draft I saw from our our good buddies over at the Draft Network have him going to Baltimore. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson with Jefferson and Hollywood oh. Brown. That sounds like a fair matchup for the AFC North. <laughs> good luck with that. I hope Greedy Williams learns how to play some physical coverage because that's not going to work, Cleveland. Did you see who they had going to the Bucks? No, I it was their live one, and I joined yeah. it late. It was uh, Kinlaw. I'm good with that. So I, I wrote, am too. Uh, so DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL.com, NFL Network, um, released his first 2020 mock draft, and he has the Bucks taking Herbert, uh, the the quarterback out of Oregon. Which you know, fine. But I don't know, man. Me personally, I'm a fan of this team. Uh, you know me, though. We, we've had this discussion every draft year. I'm not a fan of drafting quarterbacks just because they're quarterbacks. Um, and I would, would rather see a team build the infrastructure to support a mid-level, quote-unquote, average quarterback than try to push all their chips in on what they hope is an above-average quarterback and lose out on day one talent at other positions. And if you draft a guy like Javon Kinlaw, even if you bring back and Sue, even if you bring back JPP and all those guys, I mean, he just gives you even more depth or, you know, he, he maybe even pushes Will Golston out of the starting lineup and it just, it just makes your defense that much better. And, you know, if you have a quarterback that only throws 25 touchdowns, but you have a quarterback that's not throwing interceptions inside your own 40 or throwing pick sixes and you give your defense an opportunity to hold teams, you know, to low amounts of points. I mean, you don't need three touchdowns a game from your quarterback necessarily. I think you need you need to get above 20 points every game, uh, which you can do with some rushing. You can do, you know, in other ways. And so if, if you look at the team like the Buccaneers, if you invest in the defense and you also invest in the getting the running game better by boosting the trenches and by maybe getting a, a talented running back to pair with Rojo next year, that alone can make your team better. So that if you go – uh, you know, throw a one-year contract at a veteran, or maybe you know you have a young quarterback in there. I mean, uh, people people underestimate the confidence of Bruce Arians in his ability to to one to coach and his ability to get the best out of quarterbacks. And so, you know, uh, I'm going to get murdered for saying this, but I, I think people really are underestimating the possibility that Bruce even rolls with a guy like Blaine Gabbert. Uh, if he's if he's healthy enough to come back in, because Bruce is the kind of guy I think that can feel like he can put a system around a Blaine Gabbert and essentially tell Blaine, be like, "Look, dude, we got the engine, we got the nos, we got the rims, we got the wheels, we got it all, we got the track. Just steal, just just steer it, just steer it straight, dude. That's all we need you to do." And just don't crash. Blaine Gabbert's the kind of guy that'll go out there and say, "Roger that, coach. I'll just ten and two and keep it on the track." You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. So please don't freak out and, you know, say that oh, David Harrison is suggesting that the Buccaneers start playing out. I'm not saying that. But again, when, when we talk about all these things, like a lot of people talk about like Philip Rivers, like, oh, Philip Rivers, you know, he can't throw the ball 35 times, you know, 40 yards down the field. Right. You're, you're 100 percent correct in that. Bruce Arians knows that as well. Philip Rivers knows that as well. Guess what Philip Rivers isn't going to be doing if he plays for the Buccaneers? not going to be throwing the ball 35 times, 40 yards down the field. If he is, it's because they're getting their butts whooped. And at that point in time, nobody's comfortable. Nobody feels good. Nobody's happy. And Bruce Arians probably going to be like, hey, dude, I don't care how your shoulder feels. Throw the ball. 
And it is what it is at that point in time. But if that happens, everything's falling apart and your Corvette is actually a soapbox. Um, but anyway, well, we're getting into a totally cor- different conversation. Corvettes are made by GM. So, you know, Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So it's, that's just a whole other conversation that we don't need to get too deep into right now. But a lot of people like it's easy to get lost in the mix of star quarterbacks. BA has had Peyton Manning. He's had Andrew Luck. He's had Ben, Roth- ben Roethlisberger. But go back through his history. Carson Palmer was was nothing when he went to Arizona. Like when Carson Palmer went to Arizona, it w- it was not like you know, oh man, like this Cincinnati Bengals great quarterback is going to Arizona. No, he was he was he was Cincinnati old news, and then he was Oakland trash going to Arizona. Uh, he had guys like like Tim Couch, who he says you know, and you read his book. He says in his book was was a great quarterback. Injury was a lot, had a lot to do with what happened to him and, and derailed his career. Kelly Holcomb is a guy that when he moved to Cleveland, he was insistent on bringing Kelly Holcomb in. Blaine Gabbert's a guy that he brought in. Like, BA is not interested in names. So if he signs a guy like Phillip Rivers, it's not for the name. If he goes after Tom Brady, it's not the name. If he goes after Teddy Bridgewater, it's not because of what he did with, with New Orleans. If he keeps Jameis, it's not going to be because of the 5,000 yards. Like None of that stuff matters in this decision when you're looking at it from the way that Bruce Arians looks at things. So I think everybody needs to remember that the mechanics of the, the vehicle that he's going to use to deliver his offense, he's going to be smarter about that than any of us out here. Um, so if they're looking at a quarterback, it's because they feel like they can make things work with that quarterback and agree with it or not there's a reason he's writing books about developing quarterbacks and we're not. That's it. Well, and, and I, I will leave it with this. Um, Bruce Arians doesn't care what your opinion is, what my opinion is, what any of our listeners opinions are, what anybody on Twitter's opinions are. He doesn't care. If the bucks go out and sign Jameis Winston, it's not because of Joe Schmo 425 on Twitter said that that's what they have to do. If he goes out and they sign Teddy Bridgewater, he doesn't care that at knucklehead 15 said that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't fit Bruce Arian's system. Because guess what? If Bruce Arian signs Teddy Bridgewater, it's because Bruce Arians believes that Teddy Bridgewater fits Bruce Arian's system. He doesn't care what any of us say about it. He's not going to go out and get a quarterback that doesn't fit what he wants to do offensively. So it doesn't matter what our opinions are. We can speculate all we want. We can say what our preferences are. It doesn't matter. They are going to do what is best for the team. And it's going to be what's best for the team on the field and what's best for the team from the business side. Because a lot of people tend to forget there's two this this is a two-way road. Jason Light can call up Winston's agents and say, look, we want Jameis back. This is what we can pay him. And his agents can say, No, we're gonna test free agency. We want that 30 million a year. And if Jameis gets that 30 million a year offer and the Bucks can't match it, guess what? Or won't match it. Or won't match it because they don't feel that they can afford to because they got to pay Shaq. They got to pay Chris. They got to pay JPP. They got a, a new run of draft picks coming in. They need to sign a running back. Like there's a lot of pieces, parts. And if all they have allocated is $26 million for a quarterback 
and Jameis's agents say, no, he's not going to play for that, guess what? It's not Jason Light that blew it. Don't fire Jason Light. It's It takes two, everyone. It takes two. So the Bucks have to want Jameis back, and Jameis has to want to come back. It should not be a foregone conclusion that he wants to be back. You know, if they sign Phillip Rivers, guess what? That's because the two sides wanted to work together. And then they draft a quarterback this year who can sit and wait. So it's not a, oh, great, we get Phillip Rivers for two years, then we got to start over again. No, the grooming period begins. Somebody can sit down like Eason, who everybody seems to be talking about, you know, whatever. That's just the name I'm going to throw out right now. Eason can come in and sit and he can learn Bruce Arian's system and he can learn from a veteran like Philip Rivers, who has postseason experience, who has played every team. There's nothing in this game that Philip Rivers has not seen. And Rivers knows he's on the back nine. He knows that he's out of here soon. He's not going to be offended that this young 20-year-old kid wants to learn. That's what gets lost in all this that's so frustrating. Both sides have to agree. The the Bucs can't just say, hey, Jameis, we want you back, so you're going to come back and play for what we offer you. Doesn't work that way. Jameis can't walk into Bruce Arians' office and says, hey, coach, I'm going to come back. Doesn't work that way. If Bruce looks at him and says, no, you're not, then no, he's not. But we're never going to know the true details of those meetings. That's never going to come to light. We'll hear rumors. We'll hear speculation. We'll hear reliable people tell us, you know, this side said this and this side said this, but none of us will ever truly know what that conversation was. So before people get out their pitchforks and their torches, whether it's because they bring Jameis back or because they move on, just remember it takes two. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to Quan, you know, when, when Quan left, uh, with Quan Alexander, like Quan and his agent or Quan through his agent, however, got delivered to the Buccaneers that I want this much money. And, and we went over this last year during the off season. That's a mixture of, uh, you know, market value versus being paid. You know, I, I guarantee part of what Quan's agent was going after for him was the fact that this is a guy who, uh, was drafted way, was way underdrafted for his, his talent level at the NFL level, as it turned out, but was getting paid at that position because of, you know, of the CBA. So they wanted to kind of recoup some of that provided value and that's perfectly fine. But the Buccaneers weren't willing one to pay it. And two, they really weren't able to pay it because if they pay Quan, then you're not getting uh Indomitian. So you're not getting Brashad Perryman. You're not getting Shaquille Barrett. And they knew that, that they had more pieces to fill Quan leaves, but it's not, Jason Light not wanting to resign Quan. It's not the team disliking Quan. It's the, the very early on, Quan and his people had their number, and the Bucks said we're not coming to that number. And they said, "Cool, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for bringing me into the league. I'm gonna go over here and show you that you were wrong." And he's in the Super Bowl. But I mean, uh, there and there's not been there hasn't been a lot of Twitter traffic about it. But let's you know if if we're gonna if we're gonna give Quan Alexander credit for getting the Niners to the Super Bowl, then. Uh, then we need to reevaluate the way we give credit to people because it's, it's nothing that he did on his own. But that dude missed—you know—I think he missed over half the season uh, with his with his injury, and he definitely missed the last stretch of the season. So I mean, you know, and again, not his fault or anything, but let's not let's not confuse Quan Alexander being in the Super Bowl as being the reason the Niners are in the Super Bowl. You know, but but they knew that, 
before they went to Indianapolis. The Buccaneers knew they weren't re-signing Quan before they went to Indianapolis. And that's why you saw a lot of that Devin White hype get going really fast, really, really early. The Buccaneers didn't didn't resign. It's not that the Buccaneers didn't resign Quan so they could draft Devin. They drafted Devin because they didn't resign Quan. The reason they didn't resign Quan is because they couldn't agree on a value point, a value point. That's the business of it. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't know what the Buccaneers value point was, but if, if very early on, they knew they were in love with Devin white, that's just going to bring the value point that they're willing to pay a guy like Juan even further down. You know what I mean? So, uh, that, that all plays into stuff guys, just like, just like James said, you know, if, if Jameis wants 30 and the Bucks said, we'll go to 26 and Jameis's camp is saying, we're not coming below 30. I mean, what, what do you want him to do? You know, and it's easy to say, well, just give him the extra 4 million. Okay. Well, you give him the extra 4 million. There there's repercussions that there's, there's ripples to all this stuff. Right. So now, you know, when Chris Godwin is coming under contract negotiations and he's saying, oh, well, I want, you know, I want, I don't know, 12, 12 a year. On average, and the Bucks say, "Ah, we'll give you nine. They say, "Okay, you came up four million for Jameis. Why can't you come up three million for me?" Well, now you got a problem on your hands. You know what I mean? So it's there. There's there's negotiation, you know, practices and everything else. But the Buccaneers may already have their decision made. Like a lot of people think, the Buccaneers have already made their decision, and they may very well. And I will tell you that Quan is an example of that. Again, before Indianapolis, the Buccaneers knew what was going to happen with Quan Alexander. Before Indianapolis, I wouldn't be surprised if they already know what's going to happen with Jameis. They're not going to let us know, at least not publicly, you know, but it is what it is. I think we've rambled too much already about that, so I'll just cut it off now. Do you see that Antonio Brown has a warrant issued for his arrest without bail or without bond? Not surprised. No, dude needs help. Yeah, he needs something. But anyway, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, we will be joined by Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com. You do not want to miss that. We had a great time talking to Scott. It, um, Yeah, it's, it's a fun conversation. Uh, really excited for everyone to be able to hear that. Please. Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure that you're sending in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Please make sure you are voting for the all-decade of sadness team. There is going to be a poll for the defensive side. That is already out. There will be a poll coming sometime today for the offensive side but please make sure you're going on there and voting we really appreciate it uh make sure you're following along on twitter at locked on bucks at jarco underscore bucks at dh82 underscore bucks and at bucks underscore nation hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day and we thank you so much for joining us right here at locked on bucks 